It's December 22nd, 2019. Our message today is called Noble Occupation. It's good to be home. I think the other churches are tired of me for a while, so I'll come make you mad, then leave again. I want to begin with you today in James 1.25. I want to admit to you that I am putting these particular slides first to make sure that I keep the attitude and the tone in this message that is pleasing to the Lord regarding you, His sons, His daughters. James 1.25 But the man who looks intently into the perfect law, perfect law, that's not some other law, that's not some new law, that's not a modified law. The law is in and of itself perfect. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, He will be blessed in what he does. When you see this, you are seeing God's intention for you regarding his written word. Beginning in the book of Genesis and working all the way through the book of Revelation. Although when James is writing this, we mostly only have the Tanakh, the 39 books of the Older Testament. The law is perfect. The law brings freedom. This verse is an admonition to us that if we are continuously hearing it, if we are continuously doing it, the results are continuous blessings. James goes on to make the point that hearing it is not enough. It must be matched by our doing it. But James 1.25 tells us something. You can have freedom. You can have blessings. And how can you have them? You can have them by hearing the word and doing what it says. They're yours. You are the sons and daughters of God. The freedom of God. The blessings of God. They are yours. As long as you will listen to His word. And do what it says. He says, don't deceive yourself by only hearing. You must match your hearing with doing. But if you are hearing and doing, then freedom is yours. Blessings are yours. I recently had a revelation into a verse that we won't turn to. I'll just quote it for you. It's Romans 8, 14. As many as are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. Yeah? You know this verse, don't you? But when I hear it, I say, well, I have to be led by the Spirit to show that I'm a son of God. And something went off inside me and I was like, no, it's because I'm a son of God that I'm led by His Spirit. See, it is true that the product of your life shows what you are, but it is also true that what God declares you are determines the product of your life. These blessings are yours. You can have them. I'm asking you today to listen and then put into practice what you hear. I will not waste your time. And I pray that you don't waste the ministry of the Spirit. James 5, 
beginning in verse 10. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. We consider them blessed. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. What's that last sentence say? The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. How many of you have ever read the book of Job? How many of you started it without finishing it many times? It takes perseverance to finish the book of Job. Can you imagine having lived it? There's nothing worse in the world than the naive Christian that compares themselves to Job. You have no idea. Oh, it's, it's Job's perseverance. Are you kidding me? But that's not what I want to emphasize today. The whole book, all that he went through, in fact, all that the prophets suffered, they were to show that the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. That's what they, that's what the book of Job is about. It's not about suffering. It's about the compassion and the mercy of the Lord in the midst of all that a man suffers. How did Job's life end? Blessed. Blessed in every way. What if the sum total of your life cannot be measured in this moment? What if in this moment your circumstances are pressing on you but they are not permanent? What if in this moment your own failures are suffocating you, but it's just a moment? The man who hears and does will be blessed. But what if he's a whore right now? What if he's a tax collector right now? The man who hears and does, that man will be blessed. But what about his condition when he hears? God will change it. But what about all that he's done before? God will transform it. If you can hear the word of God, then you begin to have hope. If you can put it into practice, then God will actually make it real. The law brings you into freedom. You don't have freedom and so you get the law. The law brings you into it. I want you to notice The words perseverance and finally brought about. If you could go back a screen, just perseverance, Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord, somebody say finally. Finally. Come on, if you're talking to your kid and you get to the end of the sentence and he's like, finally. What the Lord finally brought about. If you've ever read through the book of Job, you're like, my God, his friends are long winded. You're waiting to get to the end. There's a certain anticipation like, how is this going to end? Am I going to make it to the end? What the Lord finally brought about. You know what the word for perseverance is here. It's hupomone. I want to talk to you throughout this day about a quality of character which does not allow one to surrender to circumstance. Your circumstances are aimed at one thing. Keeping you from the freedom of God. Keeping you 
from being blessed. Keeping you from hearing the word and putting it into practice. The devil is just fine with keeping you from all of those things. But if he has to prevent something, he wants to prevent you from even hearing the word. If he can't stop you from hearing the word, he wants to prevent you from putting it into practice. If he can't stop you from putting it into practice, he wants other practices in your life that compete with it and threaten with it. Nobody can stop the Spirit of God inside you. Nobody can stop what God can do in you and through you. Every man who hears the Word and puts it into practice ends up in freedom. Every man who hears the Word of God and puts it into practice, they end up blessed. But that does not mean that every moment of their life looks that way. It is a process that we work through. And it requires a character that doesn't surrender. Somebody say, I'm not going to surrender. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy for those that will not surrender to their present circumstance. Today is temporary. It is completely temporary. You must rightly assess where you are today, but it's as gone when the sun goes down. Tomorrow when the sun is rising, it's a new day. It's a new circumstance. It's a new chance to hear the Word of God and to put it into practice. Just because you've been away does not mean that that's the only way you'll ever be. We need to be very careful about giving ourselves stages or compartmentalizations. Whether good or bad. Well, I've arrived here and therefore I'm good. No, victory is an imposter. But so is defeat. They are both temporary stations. We move from victory to victory in the Bible. Because no victory is permanent. It must be fought for. It must be maintained. If you hear the Word of God and you put it into practice, you will be blessed. God wants to give you freedom. I want you to understand that. The only reason that he ever points out sin like happened in our worship service today is because he wants you free from it. The idea that God is in the punishing sin business is to misunderstand him. There is a time and a place where he will bring to judgment every action, whether good or bad. But God is in the turning you from your sin business. He wants to save mankind. He wants to save you. If he wanted to prosecute your sin, none of you would be alive. From the first time you lied about having gone the bathroom in your diapers as a toddler, you would be struck dead. He wants to turn you from things that bring bondage, not prosecute you for them. The way that we end up in prosecution is because we refuse to persevere through persecution. But if you are developing a character that doesn't quit, He doesn't want to prosecute you. He wants to free you. He wants to exonerate you. You know why? It's not based on your merit. It's because He is full of compassion. It's because He is merciful. You have to persevere. And that's more than just surviving. It's learning. It's growing. It's cultivating a character of Christ inside of you. 
Man, the hardest times in the entire world to cultivate the character of Christ in you is when you look in the mirror and clearly that's not what you see. You're going to have to believe in something you can't see. You're going to have to hope in something you don't have. You're going to have to fight with a strength that's given you from heaven because it's not within you or you wouldn't be looking at what you're looking at. This is the hope of the Christian faith. The good news is, it's not too late for anybody in this room. If God brought you in here today, if you're listening online or on YouTube, there is a reason these words are coming to you. They come from heaven. The man who continues to persevere after Christ is not fallen. He may have stumbled in an area, but he has not fallen. The one that is no longer persevering after Christ, that has put his hand to the plow and has turned back, that one will be prosecuted. Well, how can you know? Well, it'll take more than today's view. It will take many days' view. It will take some perspective, an eternal one, a godly one. If you're sitting here today, then I say today as you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. But instead, come into the freedom that can be yours. We're going to pick up in the law in Genesis. This will be Genesis 2, and we're going to start in verse 4. Those of you that are sleepy, I'm asking you to rouse yourselves. I've been away from this church for a long time, and I have brought a word from heaven for today. We have a word for heaven for Tuesday. We have a word for heaven for an elders retreat Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And we have a word from heaven next Sunday. I walked in full. What did you walk in with? Okay, I'm going to open my heart wide to you and I'm asking you to do the same. If you got to stand up, stand up. It'll be better than me standing you up. Genesis 2. In verse 4, I just can't imagine being in a sermon and being 13 minutes in and unable to stay awake. Okay, you need to examine your life's habits if that's the case. I want to talk to you about how to come into freedom. If you find that boring, then get out now. Genesis 2, in verse 4. Because the Lord, the Lord is full of mercy and full of compassion. The Lord wants to bring you into freedom. Genesis 2 and verse 4, this is the account of the heavens and the earth. What what are we talking about? We're talking about the heavens and the earth. Those are not two mutually exclusive subjects. They are always intended to be merged. They are not two separate spheres. You do not have a secular life and a spiritual life. There's only one kind of life. There's only one creation. There is only one existence. And the fact that we say heavens and earth doesn't mean that they're two entirely separate things any more than we say father and son and they're two entirely separate things. They can be seen as distinct, but they are in fact one creation. Not the father and the son, the heavens and the earth. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens... And no shrub of the field had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth. And there was no man to work the ground. What does that imply? There was not yet a man to work the ground, so when there is a man, what will he do? But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. The Lord God formed 
the man from the dust of the ground. What is man made of? Dust, Dust, dirt, soil. Who formed that soil? God did. But that's not all he did. He breathed into his nostrils the very breath of life. And the man became a living being. Something from the heavens entered something from the earth. And the brand new creation was something that God intended. Friends, that's what you are. There's no such thing as a non-spiritual man. So I'm just not very spiritual. My wife is. No, you're not very smart, but you are very spiritual. Every single person who is breathing is a mixture of the heavens and the earth. It is God's spirit entering into the soil. And something amazing happens. Two things proceed from God's mouth in the first two chapters of Genesis. Two things. One is his word and the other is his breath. The rest of the Bible, that process continues. His word and his spirit dominate the narrative. And they are the things that ought to dominate your life and your life's narrative. Say, Lord, speak to me. Lord, breathe on me. Lord, give me your word. Lord, permeate me with your spirit. That is how the heavens and the earth become what they're supposed to be. In Genesis 2, 8. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden. And there he put the man he formed. Why did he form the man according to the verse earlier? To work the soil. You thought that the garden of Eden was so perfect it didn't need to be worked. That's because we misunderstand what perfection is. The garden was good. In fact, God called the whole earth good, but it still needed somebody to work it. We would like to get to a place in life where we no longer have to work the soil. We would like to get to a place in life where we can coast. In fact, we climb a hill so that we can walk down the decline on the other side. The kingdom is not like that. Perfection is something you're always walking towards, always fighting for, always getting closer to. The garden had to be worked. And in any garden, there are different conditions of the soil. Any garden. We tend to think of that as good soil and that as bad soil. Well, how did the soil get good or bad? And isn't it all connected? Say, well, in my field it's good. How do you know the borders of your field? I want to submit to you today that in every field that you will find anywhere in the world... There are many kinds of soils, and it's still one field. We like to categorize things. We like to segment things. It's usually so that we can alleviate the examination. It wears the label, so it is. Let's go to Genesis 2.15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to... To what? To work it and take care of it. See, man was soil created by God's word, but permeated with his spirit. The very soil that man is made from God's word caused to be. 
And then he needed not only the product of his word, but his own life breath, his own spirit to enter into that word-produced soil. And then something new is created. This is why hearing the word is not enough. It's a good start, but it's not enough. It must be done, and you cannot do it without the all-powerful Spirit of God. Israel was brought into being just like the man. And they were brought into being as a result of God's Word. And they are being worked through by God's Spirit, worked in by God's Spirit. You in this room, you were brought into being as a product of God's word and are being worked in and through by his spirit. But we have an occupation. Every person in this room has an occupation and it's not the one that you derive your paycheck from. But it has all the potential in the world to destroy your paycheck. It's not the one that you tell your friends Yes, I'm a policeman. Yes, I'm an engineer. It's not the one that you derive your social status by, but it has all the potential in the world to destroy your social status. The occupation of every person in this room, whether man or woman, is to work the soil of their hearts. Man's occupation has never changed. And anywhere that you do not work the soil of your heart, it threatens everything. Of course, everywhere that you do work the soil of your heart, It benefits everything. We have a God who wants you to grow in freedom. We have a God who wants you to hear His Word, to put it into practice, because He wants to have compassion and mercy on you. He is not a vengeful God, an angry God with a stick above your head waiting to smack you. The people that get prosecuted for their sin persevered in the wrong thing. We're going to go to Isaiah 42 as we talk about man's descent, as we talk about Adam's descent, Israel's descent, and your descent. It's uh, Isaiah 42 in verse 18. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. He wants to set you free. He has made you his son and daughters. But listen to the way that he speaks to his sons and daughters. Here it's specifically Israel, but if you're going to take their blessings, you better take their corrections. Verse 18, hear you deaf, look you blind, and see. Man, it's quite a thing to call your own kids deaf and blind. But he's also saying see. Who is blind but my servant and deaf like the messenger I send? Who is blind like the one committed to me? Blind like the servant of the Lord. You have seen many things. Somebody say many things. But have paid no attention. Your ears are open. But you hear nothing. It pleased the Lord for the sake of His righteousness. It pleased the Lord for the sake of 
His righteousness. To make His law great and glorious. Shame on the generations of preachers that see His law as something other than great and glorious. God has made His law great and glorious. There is no problem with the law. The problem is with deaf ears. The problem is with blind eyes. So often we who should see are blind. So often we who should hear are deaf. So often, our many godly experiences stand in direct opposition to our present sinful and complacent condition. You've heard it all before. You've seen it all before. So it doesn't have the effect on your eyes and your ears that it should have. We'll circumcise your hearts. Remove the scales from your eyes and your ears. When did we get into the habit of coming into church and saying, oh, we're already good. Come in the way that you came and leave the way that you came in. This cannot be. We are life-changing ministries. Every service, every time, every moment, you are looking to move in perfection. We love Jesus so much. We want to be like Jesus so much that we're greatly offended when we find out we're not like Him. And if you're not careful... That will cause you to hide the areas you're not like Him. It will cause you to be discouraged by the areas you're not like Him. Rather than looking at it as an obstacle that you are overcoming. And praising the living God for exposing it for you. Church, we have to grow. If you do not grow, you're already dead. No Christian should remain unchanged for ten years. Let's move to verse 23 where a question is asked. Which of you will listen to this? Man, that's a fair question, isn't it? Or pay close attention in time to come. I've been preaching for 25 minutes. I have no idea how long I will preach. But it's a, it's a fair question. Which of you will listen in the time to come? Isaiah asked that question In 740 B.C. And you know what? The people didn't listen. Will you? Will you listen in a way that examines your own heart? We won't be talking about sin in the world in general. We won't be talking about the things that hold the world back in general. That's easy. Turn on the news. We live in a time when evil is called good and good is called evil. They put forth bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. They call light dark and dark light. Isaiah also spoke about these times. But I'm not concerned with outside the room. I came here because I'm concerned about you. Because I love you. Because I know that he's destined every family in this room. For an increasing level of freedom. An increasing level of growth. That you will be blessed in all that you do. I know that that is your destiny. But you're going to have to fight for it. Sometimes. Before you get to the good stuff. You have to persevere. Through some difficulty. Verse 24. Who handed Jacob over to become loot? And Israel to the plunders. Was it not the Lord? Not every difficulty in your life is the product of the devil. Sometimes 
It is God lighting the fields of your life on fire, trying to get you to turn to Him. When your relatives are sick, do you pray more or less? When you don't have a job, do you pray more or less? When you're in difficulty, do you seek His face more or less? What does that say about the soil of our hearts? Was it not the Lord against whom we have sinned? For they would not follow His ways. They did not obey His law. The problem's never been with the Word. The problem is that we hear it without carrying it out. And we exonerate ourselves. So He poured out on them His burning anger, the violence of war. And enveloped them in flames, yet they did not understand. It consumed them. What's that last phrase? But they did not take it to heart. God is aimed at changing your heart so that He can change your actions. This morning, we are going to take it to heart. This morning, we are going to pay close attention. This morning, we are going to follow His ways. This morning, we are going to find freedom in new areas in this house. This morning, the mercy and the compassion of the Lord, you will feel Him reigning over us. This morning, you will personally cultivate the character of Christ in your heart in new ways. This morning, we will win. You know, burning a field every now and then, it's necessary to cultivate Christ. Anybody who's ever farmed has had to burn down a field or two. And it's not because you hate the field. It's because you need to refocus the nutrients of the soil. You smell burning? The word that we began this year with was Isaiah 37 and verse 31. Once more, a remnant of the house of Judah will take root below and bear fruit above. That was the word that we began the year with. For out of Jerusalem will come a remnant and out of Mount Zion a band of survivors. Have you survived this year? Have you more than survived this year? How many of you have children? How many of you are being blessed? See, something is taking root inside of us and it is bearing fruit above us but now is not a time to rest it's a time to cultivate the soil we are succeeding but this is not a one time task this is not a box to be checked this is a full time occupation husbands cultivate their wives when there's a problem They cultivate their wives when they first get married. And then they lay back, eat potato chips, and watch football while their marriage goes to hell. And they call the pastor who reminds them what they're supposed to be doing. Parents, they focus on cultivating their children when the kid has embarrassed you in a public fashion. Friends, cultivation, gardening, Working the soil of the heart is a full-time occupation. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands, and you will be robbed right in the face. Let's go to Isaiah 32 as we pick up the pace in our text. Am I boring you? I promise I'm cultivating you. If you don't plow the ground, then you do not get the opportunity 
to plant and see a harvest. Isaiah 32, verse 1. See, a king will reign in righteousness. He will. Oh, no. He will. He will in every area of your life, every area of your heart, with all of your heart, with all of your strength, with all of your soul. He will. But he might not yet. You may declare it with your mouth, but fall short of carrying it out in your actions. You may be carrying it out in your actions, but not really have it in your heart. But he will reign over you in righteousness. You have to persevere in this principle. You have to work in this principle. When you find an area that is not right, you don't give up and go home. When you find an area that's not right, you thank the Lord God for revealing it to you. And you persevere in it. See, a king will reign in righteousness. And rulers, friends, that's supposed to be you. Rulers, kings with the great king. Will rule with justice. So we have a king who will reign in righteousness. We have a prince with God and Israel and you goyim graftins who will rule with justice. But presently, you don't see that everywhere. You do see it somewhere. You do see it in moments. You do see it in big areas of your life, but you also see areas it's not true. You must face those areas. You must persevere in those areas. You must work the soil in those areas. To ignore it, to ignore it will choke you out. This verse is intended to be a promise for those that don't quit. I just spent a weekend with JJ. JJ's had to work the soil of his heart. We've been hard on J.J. for the perfection of J.J. But he's worked the soil. You know how I know he's worked the soil? I can see it not only in his actions, but in his attitude while he carries out his actions. I can see it not only in J.J., I can see it in his wife. I see it not only in J.J. and his wife, I see it in their children. Does that mean that they're perfected and now rest? Of course not. There are yet unconquered areas. See, that is what the Christian faith is. It's not about getting to a spot so that you can stop and rest. It's about the constant cultivation of your soul. Those that are employed in the field of cultivation, they work the soil that is their soul. And they do it every day. When you engage with the Word of God, it will engage with you. Your reaction to the Word of God tells you about your quality of soil. When you are upset by the Word of God, that says something about the condition of your soil. When you're joyed by the Word of God, that says something about the condition of your soil. And who in the room only responds to the Word of God in one way? That's because you have different kinds of soils in your heart. None of you have one soil. Actually... Let me go ahead and correct myself. If there is an unregenerate, hell-bound, destined-to-be-destroyed person in this room, you're the only one with a singular soil in this room. And even that can be plowed. 
But every other person in this room has got multi-levels, layers, and conditions of soil in your heart. This is why circumstances are so useful. They reveal things that you didn't know were there. Verse 2, each man will be. Somebody say will be. You know why he had to say will be? Because he wasn't presently. Each man will be like a shelter from the wind, a refuge in the storm, like streams of water in the desert, and the shadow of a great rock in a thirsty land. Then the eyes of those who see will no longer be closed. No longer be closed. And the ears of those who hear will listen. Do you hear the future tense, the change of condition? The mind of the rash will know and understand. Anybody got a hot-headed teenager in the room? The mind of the rash will know and understand. And the stammering tongue will be fluent and clear. This speaks of a total transformation. Verse 5. No longer will the fool be called noble. You know what the word for fool is? Anybody? The word for fool is Nabal. No longer will Nabal be noble. See, we're living in a time when those that are cultivating the character of Christ look foolish. And those that are not cultivating the character of Christ, they look noble. But there is a day coming when those fools will no longer be called noble. And we who look like fools now for agonizing over sin, for toiling over the condition of our hearts, for fighting for righteousness, we will be the nobility. You can work the soil of your heart now, or you can have the punishment of your soul for an eternity. Someday, the fool dies. Someday, Nabal dies. I'm saying today. Nobility is for those that are like their king. A noble occupation is to make you noble like your king. That's the point is becoming like Jesus. Fool is defined here. Verse 6. For the fool speaks folly. His mind is busy with evil. He practices ungodliness and spreads error concerning the Lord. Man, it's a foolish thing to halfway quote a scripture. It's a foolish thing to misinterpret a scripture. It is a foolish thing to teach incorrectly about the Lord. And it's all around us. The hungry, he leaves empty. See, I don't intend to leave you empty today. If it requires an IV force feeding, then that's what we'll do. You put yourself at risk when you walk through the doors of life-changing ministries. Verse 7, the scoundrel's methods are wicked and he makes up evil schemes to destroy the poor with lies. But when the plea of the needy is just, but I'm sorry, makes up evil schemes to destroy the poor with lies, even when the plea of the needy is just. Verse 8, but the noble man, somebody say noble, Noble. makes noble plans, say noble. Noble. And by noble deeds, say noble. noble, he stands. There is a reversal of position. Today you're going to walk out of here with a noble plan. 
Today you will walk out of here being able to carry out noble deeds. Today you will walk out of here in a new freedom. Today the compassion and mercy of the Lord will manifest in new areas of your heart because you will expose them to Him. Today your character is going to be cultivated to become more like Christ. Pick up in verse 12. Beat your breast for the pleasant fields, for the fruitful vines, and for the land of my people, a land overgrown with thorns and briars. Yes, mourn for all the houses of merriment and for the city of revelry. We're supposed to mourn over the condition of our field. And then immediately walk into changing its condition. Thorns and briars. You know, that reminds me of a parable in Luke 8. But we're not going to go to it yet. It seems to me that Jesus spoke to us about a land that had a hard path. A land that had rocky soil. A land that had thorns and briars in the soil. And then a soil that was noble and good. And I think we've misunderstood what Jesus said. Of course, the book of Hebrews in the sixth chapter also speaks about land. I'll just read it to you for a minute. You stay right where you're at. Land that drinks the rain often falling on it. And that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed. Receives a blessing from God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless. And in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. I know that the writer of Hebrews was a preacher. In fact, I know they were recording his preaching. Because he does right now what I'm very tempted to do. It's verse 9. He says, even though we speak like this, dear friends, we're confident of better things in your case. (laughs) Things that accompany salvation. He felt the tension in the room. But he wanted to relieve it as well. God only is bringing you into tension to get you to see something that you wouldn't see otherwise. The same way that you squint your eyes to see something that you can't see with them wide open. You sometimes have to be under a little bit of pressure to see something about yourself you didn't know. And the whole point of coming here today is that when you walk out, you've taken a step forward in the kingdom, not stayed still. The alternative is unthinkable. The alternative is not what God designed. The Lord gave you a noble occupation and He expects you to work the soil of your heart in a noble way. Pick up in verse 14. The fortress will be abandoned. The noisy city deserted. The citadel and watchtower will become a wasteland forever. The delight of donkeys, a pasture for flocks. Verse 15. Till the Spirit is poured out upon us from on high. There is a turning point. God didn't just take the soil and form the soil. He took the soil, He formed it, and then He breathed into it. And that's when it began to become something. He will breathe into the soil of your heart. A combination of His Word and His Spirit will produce in you something. Till the Spirit is poured out on us from on high. And the desert becomes a fertile field. Have you ever been in a desert? It's the furthest thing from a fertile field. The fertile field 
I'm sorry, the desert becomes a fertile field and the fertile field seems like a forest. Justice will dwell in the desert and righteousness will live in the fertile field. The fruit of righteousness will be peace and the effect of righteousness will be quietness and confidence forever. Who would like confidence forever? Who would like to know that they are blessed forever? We're going to have to work the soil of our hearts. We're going to have to have God breathe into us so that we can be fruitful in new areas. You're going to have to know the condition of your own field. It's been my observation as a pastor, very few people know the condition of their field. They spend all of their time trying to convince everyone that it's better than it actually is. And we do it to our own detriment. The Spirit is going to breathe into the soil today. The Word is going to be planted in your soil today. If you are a desert in this place, trying to present yourself as a dessert, you're going to become a fertile field. If you are already a fertile field in this place, you're going to become a forest. Every person in this room will advance today. We're going to resume our noble occupation. When a planter works, he expects his fields to grow. When he doesn't work, he expects them to decline. We're going to engage in our noble occupation. We're going to work the soil of our souls today. I don't want to read to you Psalm 19. I want to summarize it for you. In Psalm 19, in just 7 through 11, the law... It's also called the statutes, the precepts, the commands. It's called the fear. It's called ordinances. It even gets two personal pronouns, they and them. It has characteristics. It is perfect, trustworthy, right, radiant, pure, sure, and righteous, more precious than gold, sweeter than honey, and by them your servant is warned. Somebody say that's good stuff. It does certain things for you. It revives you. How interesting is the Word of God for the lost only. The Word of God is for more than the lost. It's for His sons. His sons need to be revived. And it comes by His Word. But you have to know the condition of your soil so that you can receive that Word. Otherwise, it bounces off a hard path. Not in a lost person. In a saved person. You don't receive what you didn't think you needed. In fact, you hear it and you're offended by it, which shows that your heart is hard. The Word makes you wise. It gives you joy. It's light to your eyes. It's enduring. It makes you sure and righteous. Oh, man, it's sweetness to your life and a great reward. Don't you want to prepare every part of your heart to receive that? How about your children? How about your spouse? We have to prepare the soil of the heart. Which takes us to Luke 8. Please turn to Luke 8. This is what the law is. This is what the law does. We're going to talk about how to cultivate it into our hearts today. LCM is going to produce its purpose. You are going to cultivate Christ. Every person is going to be moved towards perfection today. 
The good news is everybody can walk out better than you walked in. Luke 8, verse 11. This is the meaning of the parable. Don't you love when Jesus explains himself? I love it because it makes commentary on Luke 8 irrelevant. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. So that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are. Did you hear those on the path are? Those on the rock are? The seed's the word of God and those on the path or those on the rock, they are people. They are you. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy. And when they hear it, but they have no root, they believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those, stands for those people, you, who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those, those, those who? People, you, with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a good crop. This is what we're going to talk about for the balance of our time. The seed is always the same. The sower is always the same. They don't do anything different in this. So if what you hear in this is this is about evangelism, this is you're going to throw the seed out and there's four kinds of people that it hits. You're mistaken. If when you hear this, you think about the world in general and say, hey, there's four kinds of people in the world and some are just this, some are just that, and that's what they are, you are mistaken. This parable is very, very much about you. It was spoken to a people who were saved. It was spoken to a people who were saved and when they looked at a field, they saw all four conditions in the same field every time. You, you almost can't find a field in Israel that you can't see visible rocks in. Who has ever found a field anywhere that no weed exists in? How would you get to the field if there was no path to walk on? The field is the human heart. It is not four fields. Every single heart has a hard path in it. Every single heart has rocks in it. Every single heart has weeds and thorns in it. And every heart is capable of producing good and noble soil. The field is you. And my field extends to you. The neat thing about this parable is it is teaching us that your reaction to the word of God. The sower is God. The word, the seed is his word. When the word hits your heart, what the word does in response to your heart tells you what the condition of your heart is in that area. It's like a litmus test for a chemist. It's like a testing stone for a metallurgist. It's a manner of evaluating the condition of your heart. The word of God is there so that you can evaluate the condition of your heart. When something bounces off the hard path in your heart, when you hear a word but it doesn't resonate with you, 
When you hear a word and somehow or another you don't get it. It's because your heart has been hardened by sin's deceitfulness. That's why. Every word, say every word. That proceeds from the mouth of God is what we're to live by. Every word, not some words, not what Spurgeon's daily word was, not the word that you liked from somebody on 59, every word. But who in here is receiving every word of God? No, a lot of it bounces off. The problem's not with the word. The problem is with the hardness of our hearts. Your response of your heart to any word shows you the condition of your heart. So I just don't get it yet. I don't have a revelation into it. That's because you still have areas of your heart that are like the hard path. The devil takes it away before you can believe that word and see the produce from that word. See, in making these categories of people, in making these stages of life, You all exonerate yourself from most of them all of the time. This was spoken to a people to get them to return to their occupation, to work the soil of their heart, to be able to identify what was wrong with their... They become their own cardiologist. They save a lot of spiritual money that way. You know, the very first thing that is recorded in the book of Matthew after Jesus' time in the desert, his first red words... It's Matthew 4, 17, which we don't have to go to because we're going to stay in Luke 8. Repent for the kingdom is at hand. Repent. Repent is such an interesting word. I love it in Hebrew. In Hebrew, it's something like teshuva. It means turn around. In Hebrew, that has to do with your physical action. I mean, it has to do with more than that, but it's the primary definition. Turn around. That sounds like an action, doesn't it? Have you ever seen somebody perform the right action with a completely wrong heart? Hell yeah. Put the garbage out. Yeah, I'll put it out. Right outside your window. Right outside your door. You can't even open the door and get out the door because the garbage is there. You said put it out. Yes, clearly I meant the street. That's called malicious obedience. When somebody somebody says, uh, hey, Child, sit down and be quiet. They're obeying, kind of. They're obeying on the outside. The Hebrew word, in its most limited sense, focuses on an action. The Greek word here, something like meteneo. Strong's number 3340. It means to change one's mind. Have you ever seen somebody change their mind, though, and not their action? How many times have you seen somebody decide that something was wrong, but not do anything about it? Repentance is such an important word that we need two languages to properly wrap our minds around it. You have to both change your mind, and you have to change your action. If you change your mind without your action, you don't end up in blessing. If you change your action without changing your mind, you're destined To turn the wrong way again. It requires both. Repent. Change your mind. Change your action. And you will find that you've walked into the kingdom. Which was about to envelop you all of the time. Whatever condition we find in your heart. And we're going to press until we do. The change that is the kingdom of God. 
is a change in your heart and a change in your action, and you will leave here blessed if you do it. Hosea 10 and verse 12 tells us, Sow for yourselves in righteousness. Reap the fruit of unfailing love. Break up your unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until He comes and showers righteousness on you. That path, that hard ground, is every area that when you hear preaching on a subject, when you read the Word on a subject, you don't like it. There was a young lady in our church for years, and a fantastic disciple, maybe one of the best ever. But she would look right at me and say, I hate it when you talk about that. Do I have to tell you she's not doing well today? Doing well in so many areas, fruitful in so many areas, soft, pliable heart in so many areas, good in nutritious soil in so many areas. But she failed to work certain areas of her heart. Not doing good today. I agree. I don't like that subject either, which is why I preach about it. Because we're supposed to be plowing the hard parts of our heart. There are a lot of things I don't like to talk about that I talk about regularly from the pulpit. Do you honestly think I don't want to just stand up and tell you how much I love you all? Of course I do. How many of you want to spank your kids all day? How many moms feel like that's all you do? You ever had a present in your car? but couldn't give it to the kid because of its behavior. We have to plow our hearts. We have to. Husbands, if you won't have a hard conversation with your wife, you're a coward, not a cultivator. Wife, if you will not correct your child, you're a coward, not a cultivator. Pastors, if you won't talk to your church, you're a coward and not a cultivator. We are called to garden the soil of our hearts. We're called to work it. We're called to take care of it. We have to know its condition. And you know it by throwing the word at it and seeing how it responds. These are not different fields. They're the same field. They're the same person. When you finish your life, one field or another will have defined it. But while you're in the progress of your life, you're cultivating it. The rock... The rock was marked by receiving the word with joy. Did you catch that in Luke 8? Some fell on the rock and when it came up, I'm sorry, I can't read without my glasses. Those on the rock, verse 13, are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it. But they have no root. They believe for a while. This word, have no root, it's uh, Strong's 44, 91. Reza. To have no root means not to have a firm hold. The word hits your heart, and you get it, and you're excited about it. But you don't sufficiently grow in depth in it to sustain it. All right, you ready to hurt a little? Let's talk about some ways that looks. The result of inhibited downward growth, no root. When a rocky heart prevents inward growth, we often try to compensate with an outward show of growth. Look at the tree on the top of the soil. Look at the tree under the soil. 
It's unsustainable. It's temporary. The shallowness of the soil will eventually come to be seen by all. Many times, this is what we dislike. We've put our best life now on Facebook. We've put our best foot forward in our Christmas pictures. We have shown everybody the self we want them to see. And we've become deceived about the condition of our own soil. We hear the word on Sunday and we receive it with joy. But we don't do it. And we don't do it and we think that receiving it with joy was the point. No, you end up like this. That's... that's. That's the vast majority of all Christians everywhere all of the time. That's why we preach on the same subject again and again and again. We're like, okay, that lasted 30 seconds. Two more. He retained it for three minutes. We keep doing it. Our very first men's retreat, we took duct tape, wrapped it around people's heads with the sticky part outward, and we stood and see who could throw Q-tips at these men until a hundred Q-tips stuck. It took thousands and thousands of Q-tips because men's soil is rocky. We have to be honest. How many times? I'm looking at a few fathers in here. Daddy, 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 daddy. What? Huh? It took four times. Why? Because we were there, but we weren't really there. Rocky soil lacks a depth. It's hearing, but it's, it's, it's just not, not getting there. I want you to test yourself. Does your outer life look far more impressive than your inward thoughts? See, this tree, it's got a, a proportioned root system. The things that grew deep in it caused it to grow upward. It wasn't a show on the outside. They were deeply contemplated truths of the faith that penetrated the soil. They were driven by the water of the Spirit deep into the soil of the heart. This tree stands through a storm. The Word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. How many times, ladies, are you smiling at your husband? Yes, dear. Yes, dear. Don't you dare answer this out loud. And you're thinking, you're an idiot. How many times you're saying, sure, I'll do it. Sure, of, of, of course. Yes, of course I'm going to follow you. But you're wrong. Husbands, how many times have you sat with a pastor, with a boss, with some authority figure in your life, and you nodded, but your heart was going, no way. You know It is extraordinary shallowness to not reveal on the outside the truth of what's going on inside. Another word for it is hypocrite. But we're all hypocrites in some ways, aren't we? Our goal is to cultivate our hearts so that it's less and less pervasive. So that we are building in Christ and tearing that out. See, the whole point here is not to change just your outward action, but also your inner thoughts. I got born again. I don't curse anymore. Good. Did they still go through your mind? Well, yeah. Then they'll eventually come back out your mouth. We're going to have to work on both. Somebody say we're going to work on both. Rocky soil is when there's an obstacle in your life that is preventing you from getting deeply rooted. Don't you dare tell me that there's one of you in here. 
And I really wish we had everybody here today just to make sure we got them all. There's not one of you in here that doesn't have rocky soil in your heart. There's not. Let's, let's just be really honest for a minute. If we're talking about the lifetime cultivation of a field and somebody is 17 years old sitting in here, how deep can their soil be? It's mostly rock. You're happy if you see some soil in it. If you're 20 years old, 30 years old, 40 years old. It's also interesting that Jesus moves on from talking about rocks to other things that are more prevalent in a more maturing plant. But I have one more about rocks to get through. Good growth is proportional. Your inner life and your outer life should match. I find that in America we are masters at making our outer life look at a way that our inner life doesn't. Third John 2, I know you all have it memorized. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health. Don't get too excited with me back here, Tom. And that all may go well with you. Amen. Spence, don't get too excited about financial planning over this. Even as your soul, which we could say soil, is getting along well. All of them are important. Spirit, soul, body, all of them are important. But they're supposed to be proportioned to each other. Somebody say proportion. Having your outer life look a certain way in your inner life is a deception when they don't match. I said, but what if my inner life is great? My, my outer life is, is not. It'll catch up. It takes a while for a seed to break the soil. It takes a little while. It feels like it'll never happen until it does. The next area of soils that Jesus talked about were thorns. It was verse 14 of chapter 8. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. The thorns hear the word. They go with it. They grow in it. But they get choked out before it produces what it's supposed to. It's very similar to the rocks, but the rocks inhibit downward growth. It's, it, something's wrong, man. I just can't get rooted. In the thorns, you're rooted. You're growing. I'm getting it, y'all. Hey, look, I'm doing it. But you're not paying attention to what else is growing in your soil. A young man may have to remove a rock of lust where a 60-year-old might not have to. But the young man doesn't have to worry about riches growing alongside his love of the Lord. And the older man very much might. These are soils for all four seasons of your life. These are soils that exist in your field. It's such an interesting thing. Choked. This is Strong's number 4846. Something to go. To suffocate, to choke, to throttle, to overpower. Figuratively, to crowd, to press upon. I want you to get the picture. Brother's doing good in the Lord. He's growing. Stand up, Nolan. He's growing. He's rooted. He's doing good. But something's pushing on him. Come here, Josiah. Something's beginning to squeeze it. He's growing, he's rooted, he's doing good, but other things are there until he just can't breathe. Now, you know what's funny? is when you welcome comforts 
and welcome pleasures and you welcome the worries of this life and you cultivate them. You might be being choked out and don't even realize it. Don't get too discouraged if you're seeing some of these in your life. I want you to understand. There have to be rocks in the field in Israel. They collect the dew in the morning and it runs off. There has to be a hard path somewhere because the master has to walk on something. There has to be some things growing in the field that shouldn't eventually be there because the plant has to compete with something. It develops its character. Jesus even told a whole parable about don't pull them up yet. Wait, we'll pull them up at the harvest. I don't want you to damage that plant. Now these are not excuses for the condition of your soil. They're encouragements that what is there, God will work with. He will help you get rid of the rock. He will help you uproot the weed. And the fact that you discovered one doesn't disqualify you. It shows you how to become more qualified. We are not in the punishing sin business. We are not in the prosecuting sin business. We turn people from their sin. The one that is prosecuted is the one that keeps concealing, keeps hiding, keeps protecting and burying his rock. He's grown a whole weed forest. And he's keeping his stash hidden. Those people don't belong among us. This is life-changing ministries. This is for those that want to cultivate the soil of their heart. And He will. And He can. And His Spirit will enter into your soil and something will pop out of it that is heavenly. We have hope in this place. Worries. Somebody say worry. Worry. Ladies, say it like you said at home. Worry. Worry. Pat, I want to hear you say worry. Worry. Last time I ever want to hear you say it. It's in a woman's nature to worry because she's not going to jump on the problem and beat it down. But who has ever added a day to their life by worry? But we even know medically it'll take days off your life, huh? It'll suffocate the Word of God in your life. Friends, if you're not finding areas for improvement in the soil of your heart, I'm trusting that you are. Riches, pleasures... They suffocate, or as this word says, overpower and crowd out the word. Oh, man. Is a love for football crowding out your love of the word? I was recently at LSU Stadium, the singular most idolatrous place in the state of Louisiana. I couldn't help but notice that people wore LSU jerseys to church. Of course, somebody won a Heisman Trophy the night before. It's great. He's got a trophy of a man posing like he has diarrhea. It's fantastic. (laughs) You know, you hate everybody else's idols, but you love and polish your own. Then he moved to the good soil. When you're looking at the good soil, which I want to look at, verse 15 of chapter 8 of Luke. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a good crop. Good soil is defined by hearing. But they all heard. Retaining. That's something that the rocky soil, I'm sorry, the soil that was the hard path couldn't do. It just bounced off. 
Persevering, that's something the rocky soil didn't do. Producing, that's something that the soil with weeds in it didn't do. The noble soil worked through all of those stages as many times as it took to produce. And so will you. You think that you came to this altar at some point in your life and now you have good and noble soil? That's absurd. That's, a, that's the section of your heart, the minuscule, foot-sized print in your heart that the word planted in is still transforming it all, but there is no way you have a good and noble heart. If you had a good and noble heart, every word of God you ever heard would feed your soul like nothing you've ever tasted. Nothing would bounce off. You would have finished everything that God ever told you to do. You would have persevered. There would be no undone projects in your life. There would be no competitors in your life. The fact that we can sit and go, no, 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 man, I'm that for soil. It just shows you don't know the condition of your soil. And if you don't know the condition, how will you cultivate and cure it? The word retains. 27, 22. Techo? Uh, That'd be the Spanish version of Greek. <laughs> to have, hold, hold fast, retain, or hold down, quash, suppress. Do you see how similar that is to what the weeds were doing to the word in the previous? Definitely. It's almost like there's a battle between two forces here. The Word of God has got to grow in you and you have to retain it. You have to hold down, quash, suppress everything else. The Word has got to be all. So that God can breathe into it. He didn't want to breathe into weeds. He didn't want to bless uh, thorns and thistles. Can you guess what persevere is? Hupamone. The soil that hears and suppresses out everything else, holds it down, quashes it, and lets its character be developed. That is the one that is called noble. Hears, retains, perseveres. This is your noble occupation. To hear, to retain, to persevere, and to produce. So well, how long do I have to persevere until it's produced what it's supposed to? How long do I have to plow? God won't plow forever. He's just waiting for something to spring up in the soil. He's not going to roll the plow over a, a, a burgeoning plant. He rolls it over hard ground. You know, the rest of the passage in Luke 8, it's not disconnected from this. Let's put it together quickly. This would be the 16th verse. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, he puts it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. In other words, the light is like the seed. It had a purpose. God spoke a word to you for a purpose. It was your job to get your heart into a situation where it would produce what it was supposed to. God puts a light in a house for a purpose and it's not so that it can be shrouded. It's not so that it can have rocks in its soil. It's not so that it can have a hard soil. It's not so that it has competitors like weeds and thorns growing in it. He wants the light to be unobscured. So it's a benefit to everybody. So it produces something. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you... It's almost like Jesus is quoting Isaiah 32. You better be careful how you listen. We're nearing the end. 
millions of nerds will go watch a sci-fi movie that's been going on 40 years tonight. They won't complain that it's two and a half hours long. They won't notice that it has many, many worldly themes right alongside traditional good and evil themes. But an hour and 15 minutes into a service, Better know the condition of your soil. Sit for four hours at a Super Bowl. What could be more important right now than the condition of the soil of your heart? It will determine everything that ever comes from you. And it's not a one-time label. I wish it was. I wish we could work really hard for a good solid, I don't know, week and be done. It's not. In fact, every time you get that field plowed, And you think that it's, (laughs) I got it now. The deeper plow just showed deeper in the soil. There was something else there that just you didn't notice before. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever produces something will be given more. Whoever does not have even what he thinks he has will be taken from him. That's that tree that's toppled over. It looked like he had a lot. But he didn't really have anything. There's so many areas of our life that are like, the Lord told me, the Lord told me, the Lord told me to do this. And so I'm going to stick to it for about three days. Surely the Lord could have warned me it was going to rain before he told me to go. This must be a sign he doesn't want me to go. You know, verse 19 is not disconnected from the passage either. Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear the word, who hear God's word and put it into practice. Do you hear what he's saying? They're the ones that have cultivated their hearts. My mother and brothers are the ones that hear the word that retain the word, that persevere in the word, and that produce a good crop. You say, oh, well, that's so hard on the family. And man, I've preached that many times. It is hard on the family. Of course, they didn't stay that way. Mary cultivated her heart. And the word that was just barely planted in there, maybe she was rocky soil, but she contemplated it. Actually, the word says she's treasured it. And she was in the upper room getting filled with the Holy Ghost with everybody else. James and Jude... They may not have qualified on this day, but they worked the soil of their heart until the Word of God made them leaders in the church writing the Scriptures. Don't tell me what's not possible. God wants to bring you into freedom. The man who wrote the perfect law gives freedom was once outside of the family of Jesus. You've got to cultivate your heart. Can I show you an example of somebody who did? I'm lying. I'm burning up up here. (laughs) Acts 17, verse 11. Now the Bereans, whoo, Bereans were of more noble character. What the Bereans have? Come on loud. What the Bereans have? Did everybody answer? What the Bereans have? No, they didn't. They had more noble character than the Thessalonians. 
more noble character compared to what? Compared to Thessalonia. More noble character compared to what? The Mississippi mud that was next door. They're all in the process of cultivation. They're all in the process of working through the soils of their heart. They're all there. They were just better than Mississippi next to them. It's almost like even in the churches, even amongst believers, even in these rows, even within each person. We have hard paths. We have rocky paths. We have paths with things growing on them that you shouldn't grow. And we've got places that are being cultivated and are beautiful. How much of your heart do you want to belong to the Lord? Man, you're going to have to dig down deep, get those rocks out. You hear me? If there's something that is preventing you from holding fast to the Word of God, get rid of it. Period. Get rid of it. If there's something that is growing right alongside with your love for the Lord, and don't excuse yourself too quickly. It's so easy to go, no, no, Lord, nothing. We're talking about more than just your attitude. We're talking about your actions. I'm a pastor. I study more than almost anybody in this... I study more than anybody in this room. And it's amazing how excited I can get about fail videos. It's amazing. The Mandalorian series came out on Disney and I watched all seven episodes. I'm fascinated with little baby Yoda. I really wish it was that easy, Yoda. I do. It's amazing. How when you get the soil fertile, everything wants to grow in it, not just the Word of God. It's amazing. Things want to press in on it. More noble. Now, let's talk about how you get more noble. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Great eagerness. That's Strong's number 4288. Prothumia, eagerness, readiness, alacrity of mind. Yes, we need to define alacrity, don't we? Let's do that. Alacrity, brisk and cheerful readiness. I want you to get this. They got their soil into a position that it wasn't perfect, but it sure was ready to receive whatever was coming. Please, please throw the word of God at this. Please, I want to examine it every day. Put the word of God here. Hit me with it. Cut me with it. Sharpen your sword. Get after it. Man, that's distinctly different than who is he to tell me that? You know, I, I, think, I, I think he was talking down to us. Friends, what was more noble than the Thessalonians was they had a brisk, cheerful readiness to receive what he was saying. And every single day they examined the scripture. They were hearing it. They were retaining it. They were persevering in it. And so it produced in them something. Okay. You're going to have to be very careful that you keep your readiness. Your readiness to hear, to be challenged. If you're only comparing yourself to the other churches on this street, man, you're living in the land of the Lilliputians calling yourself tall. That's, that's just the truth. Our standard is the word of God, 
not the environment around us. For somebody to say, man, that scoundrel, he, he was just like a saint when compared to his brother. All that means is among two scoundrels, this one was less evil than the other. Our goal is to be perfected in Christ. What's our goal? Colossians 1.26. I'm sorry, Corinthians 1.26. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of... You weren't of noble birth, but nobility is born of the Word of God and as an act of the Spirit of God in you. Hearing's not enough. It has to take root so you can retain it. Retaining is not enough. It must be persevered in so that nothing chokes it. Persevering is not finished and it does not quit and it does not succumb to trial until it has produced Christ. You never stop cultivating your soil. Nobility is the daily interaction with God's word so that it is the sole root of your every action. Tell me that you're noble soil now. Is the word of God the sole root of your every action? How many actions are rooted in a word from God? Okay, now you're getting an idea what you have to cultivate. We have two scriptures left. And then I'm going to refer to a third. And then I'm going to give an altar call. Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true. What is the definition of truth, by the way? The word. Finally, brothers, whatever is true. Every time I give an attribute, you tell me the word. Finally, brothers, whatever is true. Whatever is noble. Whatever is right. Whatever is pure. Whatever is lovely. Whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent. Or praiseworthy. Think about such things. What should you be thinking about all day? Are you getting it? Why do I have to think about it all day? Why do I have to hear it all day? Because more of it bounces off than you would like to. And even when it's planted, it's not planted deep enough for me to live. And even when it is growing, other things are trying to choke it. you got to fight to cultivate the Word. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. I'm not ashamed to say that before you. I am a field that is being cultivated. A field that has hard paths in it. A field that has rocks in it. A field that has weeds in it. I am weed and feeding with the word of God every day. I am working. And from the beginning of this ministry till now, you can see growth in my life. Unperfected, yes. Wretched, yes. A hypocrite, yes. But less of one every day. I am growing in the Lord. You should be able to see in my life and in my doctrine progress. That progress is encouragement. And I'm saying that that's what encourages all of us is when we can see it in each other. Concealing the condition of your roots. Concealing your position is only fighting to stay immature. And I'm going to tell you, if you ever thought you got off scot-free with something, you didn't. You never will. God will always bring this back around that exposes the true condition of your roots. And it's not to embarrass you. It's to grow you. It's to heal you. He will highlight the rock in the soil that you've been kicking dirt over and pretending is not there. He will highlight it. He will let that weed grow alongside that you're just kind of babying and like I'll get to it when I get to it until it's starting to wrap around your leg, your heart, 
your face. He'll do it so that you feel a consequence and want to do something about it. It's not our job to provide all of the consequence. In fact, it's our job to provide almost none. The one thing that we do as a church when sin has to be prosecuted is we simply refuse fellowship with you. See, it's not our job to be game wardens and policemen. It's to point you towards cultivation. It's to tell you to cultivate. It's to look to see whether you have any interest in cultivation. And if you do, then Christ will be formed in you. And that is a loving and compassionate God. If you have no interest in cultivation, then you've got no business being here. And we don't mind saying that from time to time or acting on it if we must. Because one man that will not be cultivated is a danger to all of the others. You know what we've ultimately been talking about today for an hour and 27 minutes? It's Revelation 19.13. This is the last scripture. The rest I'm going to put on the board for you as we close. And I appreciate that you've given me your attentiveness. I hope as I've opened my heart wide to you, you'll do the same. He, he is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. His name is the word of God. His name, his function, his character, his authority is that he is the word of God. I want you to understand how your heart reacts to any particular passage. Anyone. Pick one from Leviticus. Pick one from Numbers. Pick one from Deuteronomy. Pick one from the book of Malachi. Pick one from any. How your heart reacts to any area of any scripture at any time says how you feel about Jesus. Because that is what he is. He is the word of God. He is the word of God in a living form. He is the word of God. And the armies of heaven will follow him for sure. But I want you to get that his name is the word of God. So it's not like, well, I just I like messages about this and that not so much. No, that's a part of Jesus you don't like. And it's revealing the part of you that is not like Jesus. In other words, you could say that you don't like Jesus and he doesn't like you in that area. But he's willing to change it. Because he's loving, he's compassionate. He longs to show you mercy. I want to put a scripture on the board that dominated my thoughts as I drove in yesterday. I've been gone for weeks. I don't know. Uh, how long, Jim? A couple weeks. It feels like years. In fact, there's people in the church that I don't know right now. That's awesome. That's awesome. And a few of you that were just getting acquainted. That's, that's cool, too. Our body is destined for good things. Tuesday, there's going to be an amazing message here. It's going to relate to this one. It's going to build on it. Sunday, there's going to be... The vision we have for this next year is incredible. I'm talking to you about cultivation because I'm excited about something. Let's go to that next slide. We know... That the whole of creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Something is getting rooted in us that will show up outside of us. For in this hope we were saved. We what were? We, we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? 
But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. I want to get at something here, and then I'm going to show it to you closer. You can't hope for noble soil if you've already said that you have it. No one hopes for what they already have. By declaring yourself done, by declaring yourself good, alleviated, no more examinations needed, no, don't look any closer, you're preventing yourself from getting the very thing that you should be hoping for. In fact, the word hope in this passage, uh, elpis, hope, desire of some good with expectation of obtaining it. You don't hope for something you already have. You are longing for something that you're expecting God to bring to you as you cultivate your soil. He formed you out of soil. Your composition is soil. But then He gives you a position of something entirely new as He breathes into you, possessing you with His Spirit. Something new, something heavenly. We are hoping to be transformed into more. You have transformation, but you don't have all you'll have. You have further yet to go. There's more yet to be had. Of course, he, he doesn't just say hope for it. He says as we wait patiently, patiently. Yeah, you guessed it. Patience is perseverance. It's that quality of character that just will not quit. What I'm trying to give you now is I'm trying to say no matter what area we're talking about, if, you got, if the word's just not... Hey, ladies, if the word says you're fearfully and wonderfully made and you're still struggling with self-image, then you've got a hard heart. Like, no, I don't. I have a soft, sweetheart. No, you're deceived. We can call you sweetheart, but you have a hard heart because the word is bouncing off in that area. Husband, if you, if you say, I know the Lord will provide for me, but then you go home and you bite your nails. You have a hard heart. No, I don't. I just have a weak heart, a fearful heart. Hard heart. The word is bouncing off of it. If you receive even this word today with joy and you're excited and you're like, oh yeah, man, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. And then last week, you got rocky soil. You'll never come back and say that the message was wrong or anything else. You just don't actually do it even though you said you would. You got rocky soil. Man, I'm growing and things are going well and I feel blessed. Look at all the kids God's given me. Look at the grandkids. Look at But there are other things growing there too. And they are a serious threat. They are, they're pressing in. If you've got other loves, you've got weed, thorn, soil. So no, man, I, I got good soil. Then prove it by what you have produced. Truth is, is in this room, every kind of soil exists. And no one person is not, oh, Mario, Mario and I are tight. Mario is the noble soil. Well, Mario's got noble soil for sure. He's also got rocky soil. He's also got hard paths. It's his job to break them up. That's true of every man in this room. It's true of the pastors. It's true of the elders. It's true of this elder. It's our job to find the areas of our formation that God formed us in His hands. Lord, breathe. Breathe here. Breathe here. If you'll pour out your spirit this fertile field, it'll become a forest. This desert, God, this hard desert, 
it'll become a fertile field. Life changing ministries. It's up to you to identify the areas that must change. And I want to tell you, the longer they've been there, the more you don't want to face them. And it's why you must. The ground gets harder. The rocks get more entrenched. The weeds get taller. The longer it goes undealt with, show courage. I'm going to begin to pray. When I do, dig down deep. God wants to plant beautiful things. 1 Corinthians 3, 7 says, He who plants and who waters is nothing. God makes it grow. You're not a product of the ministry. You're a product of God's planting. We're here to show you and remind you to cultivate. He wants beautiful things. He wants you blessed. Tuesday, we're going to look at what was planted in Mary. Sunday. I am going to tell you it's so good. Let's focus on what needs to be done today before we mess up and it's tomorrow. Would you stand to your feet? Father, we're asking now that you would cultivate. Lord, that you would empower our hands as as we work the soil of our hearts. Lord, there are rocks that are keeping us from getting rooted. There are hardness in our hearts that we don't hear what you're saying. Lord, circumcise our hearts that we hear. Break up the hard ground for us as we come to you now. Lord, help us dig up the rocks we want to dig down. Lord, where there are weeds and competing interests, and I know there are. Lord, help me. Breathe on me. That I can choke out that which is threatening my spiritual life. I want to produce your fruit.